Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pick Guardian. And Jared Brandon, just as Jared Brandon. Hey everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs Podcast. We are thrilled to death that you are listening to our show, which we love doing so much. Why, you ask? I know you're asking, but uh, because we had, most of the time, we get to have really special guests. And we have a very special guest, a different kind of guest. Sure, we do all kinds of boutique guitar builders and pedal builders and amp builders and 101s and all kinds of crazy stuff. But um, we, we've been doing a lot of book people lately, and maybe not a lot. Maybe it's just uh, more than we ever have, which was none. So <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a very special guest. Special guest, who are you? I'm Lisa S. Johnson. I'm the photographer and author of two books, 108 Rockstar Guitars, that came out in 2013. And my newest book, Immortal Axes, just came out in September of uh 2021 and i'm i'm really happy to be with you guys the thank con- you the guitar right. knob dudes um, <laughs> i'm really excited well <laughs> there's we you know we've we've logged over 150 uh, over 250 shows um talking about guitars so you you're in good company um, yeah, we right get in. it uh this book, you may have seen uh, that we've posted this uh, on Instagram for sure. This is the one with the big ca- like candy skull on the front. It's black. It's gold. Cause I, and I love black and gold. Everybody knows that. So I was <laughs> extremely excited about this. This book we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the guitars in there. We're going to talk about why we should care about this and these guitars and her experience in interacting with all these things and finding all the cool details about it. Really, really excited about this. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you. And I I just have to say thank you for that amazing video you did that you posted on Instagram. When you received the copy of the book, you hands down get the gold star for the best um, thank you for receiving the book. I mean, you made that video of opening the book and it was just fantastic. That's cool. So if any listeners haven't seen that yet, you got to go back on Guitar Knob's Instagram and try to find the opening of the Immortal Axes book because um, it was very entertaining. Yeah, great. well, and it's 100% genuine. I mean, I was really blown away by it. Um, so uh, we've got a lot to cover, so let's get on with it. Um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, we need to thank uh, someone very special. Road. 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 And specifically our boy Nick out in Australia, helping us out with the Good gear day. and everything. And uh, Rode's been very kind to us in providing all of our equipment. So much thanks to Rode and hello to Nick. Um, I also wanted to share, you know, we get some fantastic mail sent in to us and just thoughts and, you know, good on yous and all that business. And I just wanted to share uh, something here. This is from John Sluhan. Sluhan. Uh, we'll we'll find it in the middle, and that's the, that's how you do it. Okay. Uh, good evening, gentlemen. What can I say? I bit the bullet and canceled my Hulu subscription, which I never use, and invested into something that I listen to every week. You guys put on one heck of a podcast. Glad to be on board this vessel you have created. 
To celebrate my one-year anniversary of listening to the podcast, I became an executive producer because why not? Love the show and can't wait to hear my name read on the thing. Well, John Sluhan, thank you so very much. You're going to get it three times tonight. <laughs> much obliged. We really do appreciate you, and thank you for that very kind note. Um, and, and who needs Hulu anyway? Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> I do, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I can't read. I've got a stack of these, and I, I want to read them all now, but i got to spread them out. i got to spread save them out. Save them, Todd. Save them. But em. something I'm not going to save is something that we had happening on the, uh, po- uh, well, on the Patreon front. Now, one of our l- longest-term patrons and poobahs, Steve Keys, responded to something that I mentioned in one of our shows back a while. You know, we were just talking about how grateful we were for our Patreon supporters and and those who aren't Patreon supporters. Like, we get great support from all all over the place. And, um, but specifically on Patreon, uh, those who support us there, you know, I, it's always us putting out and we know that they're out there. And, and they're interacting with us on Instagram and, and through the mail and everything. And I just thought, like, this is a great group of people. Like, what if they were all in the same room? How, how awesome of a party would that be, right? Totally. Well, that's not going to happen. But I, so I just kind of casually threw out, like, it would be kind of cool if somebody started a Discord channel for the guitar knobs. Oh, yeah. That's, I remember you saying that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Steve said, all right, I'm doing it. And he did it. And so there's now a Discord channel. I, I, I got to get the exact information on it, um, uh, what it's called and all that stuff so that you can, so everybody who wants to get in can get in, whatever. Um, but the response from, paid, from, every, from all the supporters has been great so far. And I just want to say a huge thanks to Steve Keys. Um, he's not going to do a poobah. I mean, sorry, he already did. But anyway, Steve's doing the thing. And yeah, <laughs> so we're just really stoked that he did that. And I, I greatly appreciate it. And I really, truly hope that everybody out there who listens to the show, even if you're not like a, a full-fledged patron supporter uh, or, or whatever, that you are able to share your thoughts and have a good time with the other listeners. I, I love that idea. So thanks, Steve. Yes. Thank you, Steve. And again, I will have more information when I, when I can get it and understand it. Okay. Um, so uh, aside from that, we got to find out what's going on in our music world this week. We're going to start off with Tony, and then we're going to check in with Lisa S. Johnson. Okay? Okay, Todd. Well, uh, this week, in fact, today in the mail arrived... Uh, and since we're on the subject of books, this ties in perfectly. I got um, a copy of Picasso Guitars, 1912 to 1914. Mm. And um, this was a book that uh, came out in 2011 um, at the uh, Museum of Modern Art in New York. And it covers really two guitars and then the artwork surrounding those guitars. And uh, so it's kind of two of my favorite subjects, guitars and art. Um, So in 1912, Pablo Picasso made a cardboard guitar in his cubist fashion. Mm -hmm. And that's totally not playable, but I think he might have used it as a 
you know, as a model for some of the paintings and drawings and things that he did. And then in 1914, he made a little sturdier uh, version out of sheet metal. And MoMA has both of these instruments in their collection. Uh, but for this special ex exhibition in 2011, they gathered up, I think, another 70 uh you know, paintings, drawings, sketches, whatever, and had them on a special display. And this book covers all of that. And uh, I just, you know, I found out about it from a friend and I said, well, that would fit right in with my book collection. That's awesome. And, and it does. And it's a great book. And, you know, because it was now, you know, gosh, what, uh, over 10 years, uh, 10 years older, um, I got a used, well, it was supposed to be a used copy, but it came in the original shrink wrap and everything. And I got it for 10 bucks. So yeah. gotta love that. Right on, man. Yeah. What a deal. Very nice. Uh, Lisa S. Johnson, what would you say is going on in your, and now I know you're not like a hardcore guitar player or a builder or anything, but you have a lot to do with guitars. Is there anything going on in your music world? Well, before I answer that question, I have to uh, respond to that story about Picasso and cutting out a guitar out of cardboard. Because a lot of kids, when they're trying to learn how to play guitar, do that as a young kid. And one of them, who's now famous, Frank Hannon, told me the story when I asked him at NAMM. I was asking artists, if you could name your most immortal guitar the guitar you think is the most immortal in the world, what would it be? And Frank Hannon said, Peter Frampton's triple pickup, Les Paul. Uh, yep, when uh, I was a kid, I cut out that guitar out of uh, cardboard, and I would listen to the album, Frampton Comes Alive, with the headphones on and have the full experience in my head that's awesome. playing air guitar on the cutout. And I love that story because I used to lay on my bed staring at the Frampton Comes Alive album cover with <laughs> headphones on, having the full experience in my head, never in a million years believing that one day I would actually photograph Peter Frampton's guitar and that he would, that very guitar, yeah. not just any guitar, that exact guitar that's on the cover of the album, and have him write the foreword for my book. I mean, yeah. it's just absolutely amazing. Um that I got access to that guitar and he wrote the forewords for the book. That's so su that's super cool. I uh, also had a response to that. Yes, please, Jared. So when I was a little kid, um, the were you ever little? <laughs> he was the pastor's home. Uh, <laughs> their, their son had a drum set and I, I loved the guitar from the moment I was born. So I want to play guitar, but when we went over to that house, when my parents dropped me off there to be babysat or whatever, the first place I would go is to that drum set. And I would start pounding on the drums. I didn't care who was asleep. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so the mom there, she actually cut me out a cardboard guitar so I could play with that to keep me away from the drum set. <laughs> wow. Anything to not have that pounding. Uh, yeah. Yes. In the yeah, house. it's 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 not uh, it's it's not a um, a good a story as Lisa, but it's still funny. <laughs> it's like, hey, here, have, play with this air, and I really liked it too. I didn't care. I I still had fun with it. Yeah, well, we've talked about on the show before how like um, in the early days of Judas Priest, the, they would have. I, I, I'm, I don't know if this is gospel, everybody, but 
this is what I've read and I've seen pictures of it. And I, it may have happened in other places beyond early, early, early Jews pre-shows or whatever. But um, guys would start bringing their own guitars because they were rocking so hard they wanted to be part of the show. And, uh, and then it became <laughs> sort of like a, like a weird fan thing, almost like battle jackets. Uh, you know, like, what does your fake guitar look like? Uh, but they loved it. You know, it's, it's just cool. If you got to express yourself, that's 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 what it's about. That's cool. K.K. Downing told me when I was photographing his guitars that somebody brought a guitar to one of the shows. And at the end, he handed it up to K.K. to the uh -huh. stage. And it was uh, some kind of vintage Strat. Uh, I actually write about it. I photographed it. It's in my first book. I just can't remember the year of it right now. And KK still has that guitar oh, as a wild. keepsake. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Well, here's it's a so cool of the fans. You know, the fans love the artist so much. They just, they want to give back. Uh-huh. Little known fact about Judas Priest in the very early days, because they didn't have a lot of money. Um, Rob Halford used to ride out on stage on a cardboard motorcycle. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> There's that cardboard again. <laughs> See how many people Picasso influenced with yes, the cardboard right? guitar? Exactly. Both Harley <laughs> and Davidson. Wild. So um, it, it, now in your own personal uh, music world, what anything going on? Yeah, I have to say I cannot be happier that the Wall Street Journal covered Immortal Axis earlier this week. Wow. And Congratulations. It, thank you. And it really goes to show the power of the media because my publisher emailed me right away and said, hey, Wall Street Journal just covered your book and it got a huge burst of sales on Amazon and now you're number one best-selling <laughs> oh, on wow. Amazon. That's yeah. Congrats. So I'm really proud of that. It's such an amazing accolade and it's it's so much hard work, you guys, to get access to these guitars. It's years and oh, years of hard work. Yeah. And um, I, I calculated it the other day. It's been 26 years since I, I photographed my first guitar. Wow. And uh, to have the Wall Street Journal recognize it and for it to see the sales come through the, the media, it's, it's really incredible. It came in as number one in history and criticism and number three in music books. That's a, that's so, lovely. Wow. Well, yeah. maybe we can up that and just anybody who has already gotten this book or is going to get it when you get it, go give it a good review on yep. Amazon. Okay, everybody. I'm going to, yeah, thank you. Uh, and those if you reviews already, they make they make all the difference. I mean, it's it's amazing the reviews that are on there, and the more you get, the more you you rise up in the rankings. Yeah. Yep. And if you already have one, buy a second one for a friend. Indeed. <laughs> I got one for Jared. Yes, you did. I have it open right now. That's I, awesome. I can't take my eyes off. So my my boss um, came over today and showed him this book, and he was like, "Wow, I don't have this book." I don't have this book. Can I borrow it? I'm like, no, I, I need think it. that was a hint. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, gee, I, I sure need, would like to have I one of these need books. this book. <laughs> no, my boss, he's the king of books. So he's about that PTO you were asking Wait about. a minute. I thought I was the king of books. 
Yeah, Tony's you, the king of books. A, you've got a good competitor, man. My boss has all the guitar books, everything to do with Gibson, Les Paul, mm. even other brands. So, all yeah. right. Well, just so that you guys know, I am the queen of books. Yes, yes you are. that is true. I have every guitar book you can imagine, of course, because I'm studying the subject and I want to differentiate my yeah. book from other guitar books. And so I have every guitar book under the sun. Yeah. Do you have the Pablo Picasso guitars from... You know, I don't think I have that one, but I am familiar with the artworks. I have seen the art. Well, uh, let's see here. Jared, what's going on in music world? Kind of has nothing to do with the glorious stuff that's been talked about, but it's something. Uh, So I, I, um, I modded a guitar for my friend Jason and... I brought I brought home a actually I I got a pot from work that would work because he also works at Gibson mm-hmm. and it was a short stack you know a short a short stack instead of a long pot a potentiometer and uh, you could use those for either your volume and tone those are the little gadgets that go in the control cavity and um, for his Telecaster and it was too long it was it was a short it was a short shaft but it was still longer noticeably longer than the other and it just looked weird and when one uh control knob is higher than the other and everything else looks correct and pristine it's bothersome uh it's it's there and the pot worked great but i'm like oh man i'm sorry you know let me find something that'll work so I switched it over today and it went well. It worked really well and he was thrilled and to be honest, he didn't really care. I cared, but he didn't care, but he let me fix it anyway because he knew I cared. So yeah. it was one of those situations. Nice. But um but it sounds killer and and uh and it worked out. So sorry it's not a it's not a big interesting thing, but just know that there are different size short shaft potentiometers out there and there's solid shaft there's knurled that for the different kind of there's all sorts of different varieties of potentiometers so pay attention yes mm-hmm. pay attention so yeah. i want to know about you mr tud well you know i i'm i've wrote a list down of all the things so i gotta i can only pick one um, and I'll save the others because they're they're in development, um, but they're all very fun and exciting. But what I did do was uh, I was kind of searching around for something to watch. And, okay, I'm going to freely admit this. Uh, I don't have a deep kind of thing for ZZ Top. Now, <laughs> now I'm not saying I'm I don't here. like them. I just mean... Like aside from like you know, uh, sharp dress man and the like, you know, from the Eliminator album, it's like that's the only that's really all I know. Because when I was growing up, that came on, I was like, yeah. "Give me some of that," <laughs> you know. Uh, every, everybody did that. What about the Rough Boy video on MTV? No, I, you gotta. I just said beyond anything from Eliminator, I know zilch. But that was that was fun to watch. That's all I gotta say. Sure. Yes, very fun to watch. Legs, the whole nine yards. Uh, yeah. Okay. Detox. So there's a great 
documentary on ZZ Top. I'm trying to remember if that was on if that was on Hulu. I think that might have been on Hulu. Sorry, <laughs> uh, I think that was on Hulu. Um, and if it wasn't, uh, it was on one of the other ones. Anyways, so uh, I learned a lot. And the funniest thing is, um, uh, <laughs> so we've got a friend who runs Hello Sailor Effects, uh, and he. <laughs> And every single demo video, he does this this riff, and I'm like, "What is this riff? What what is this thing he keep he always plays?" And it's real simple. It's and I and then all of a sudden, ZZ Top's playing it, and I was like, "Oh, that's why I hear that on not only his but all kinds of other demo people stuff." So, ladies and gentlemen, I got an education on ZZ Top. And it was, it was really great. And I have a new appreciation. Again, it's not that I don't appreciate them. It's not that I don't like them. I do. I just don't, you know, the whole like Texas blues thing has never been my bag of chips. But I, I understand it and I get it. And, and I just got, it was, it was great to sort of go, Hey, here's a whole new, you know, for lack of better terms, book to read. And, uh, it was great. All right. So there's All right. that. Well, you, you can never get a better riff than the open air of LaGrange. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. just the classic ZZ Top and gets you going from the start. Yeah. Uh, and, and and talking about no, guitar knobs and stuff, I just wanted to ask, Does are you guys familiar with Keith Townsend's number nine guitar? Yes. I mean, it's, it's featured in my book and how he put that extra switch at the bottom near the, the the knobs and i never really understood why he did that it's so unique to have that there's three pickup switches on that guitar yep yeah he added a a pickup in the center on that too and he and he actually had the um control cavity routed out uh beyond factory um and i i was able to actually see some of the ones that were smashed that were collector owned that um, a good friend of mine has a good business in Ohio that restored these guitars for the collectors back to uh, good condition, playable condition. And now as far as the wiring, I wish I could tell you, mm. but all I got to see were the carcasses and uh, they were pretty cool. So that's weird because wouldn't you think that they'd be like 10 times more valuable smashed than they would restored to playable? I, you know, that's a great question. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think if it were me and I was a collector with all the money in the world, I would want them put back together so I can play it and be like, yeah. okay, Hey, Hey, let, let's, let's go around the table here real quick. Talking about smash guitars. All right. There've been a lot of smash guitars, a lot of famous yeah. moments in smash guitars. Mm -hmm. I would like to know from each of you and, and listeners out there be thinking of what you might say, if you could have one of said smash guitars throughout smash guitar history, whose would it be? And which, like, which guitar, whose would it be? Do you think we can do this? We can do it, right? I well, already know me, you're... Okay, <laughs> go ahead, Lisa. Yeah, for me, hands down, it would be Jimi Hendrix. Oh! Yeah. I'm sorry, that's probably all your answers, but it's... Yeah. Uh, the, the mystique and just the whole, you know, Hendrix... Was for, is for me like the greatest guitar 
player and the spirit that he had and that he infused into his guitars with hand painting them and just the voodoo that he did around them. And, and, you know, talking about Pete's Townsend, just like the whole story of how when um, one or the other band was supposed to open uh, the show, I think it was at Monterey and they had to flip, they ended up flipping a coin to see who was going to go on first. Mm. And uh, Jimmy won. So Jimmy went on first. And so he was like, how the hell am I going to do something that is going to be memorable? So when the who go on, I'm still going to be more memorable right. after the show. And so that's when he got the lighter fluid out and he smashed his guitar and he burned it on stage live. And everyone went crazy. And <laughs> you, you've, I'm sure you've all seen the videos oh, yeah. where oh, there's yeah. these yeah. girls up front with their faces just blank. Like they just can't even believe that he's doing what he's doing, but Hey, he made history and oh, yeah. no one ever forgot about that. So that's the guitar I want. Awesome. Tony, now, ima- imagine being the monkeys and having Jimi Hendrix opening for you. <laughs> and that's this is that's real that's a real story i i I don't think they wanted to go on after hendrix because he was just i don't think pete townsend did either (laughs) probably not uh as for me i would grab one of my all-time favorite photographs is an early picture of pete townsend and these probably five or six, maybe more broken Rickenbackers in the background. It's an old black and white photo. And I I love it. I mean, that's my favorite thing. And he always said that, you know, he, he had trouble breaking Telecasters and Strats, but because the, the Ricks were maybe a little more fragile at the time, he had absolutely no problem breaking the snapping the necks off and the, and the bodies in several pieces. So it would be a, yeah, it would be a Pete Townsend, Smashed up, Rick. Wow. All righty. Okay, Jared. Um, I made that gruntle noise uh, when Lisa's dead. <laughs> it's the pop festival, the pop festival one that he lit on fire. Yeah. Okay. That one. You that, can you can have that. You you can both have that in our world. We, of course. Um, and it's NFTs. It's, yeah, and. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, yeah, he was a pioneer of the way he played his tone. You cannot, he's in a, a spot of his own. And on top of that, it was is his humble personality um, also is a factor uh, because he he was a truly humble musician. Uh, mm. And that that's why. Um, it. it, it I hate to sound commercial, you know, oh, Jimi Hendrix, it's easy to say, but well, yeah, because he was that famous because of how great he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that's the guitar. You can go Pete Townsend and, and name any guitar on any given night. Cause he's got, I don't know who knows, who knows how many guitars he's actually smashed. I bet he doesn't even know, but yeah. I'm yeah. going to go the pop festival painted. Guitar. It was custom painted. Yeah. That guitar was by him like yeah. Well, yeah it was white and red and then yeah. he's like i'm gonna destroy it on stage because i'm gonna the stuff that's <laughs> the guitar I want. there you go okay todd I, now it has I, to be I, a guitar not a bass nope that doesn't that's that's, that's still <laughs> <laughs> i mean for me the I, my holy grail guitar i think when well, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna retract that statement <laughs> I, because that's 
if we're just talking about smash guitars, without question, it is going to be Tony. Do you know what it is? Do you want to say it for me? Uh, I'll say it's the Paul Simonon bass from London Calling. That is correct. Oh, good one. The arguably the most rock and roll picture ever taken in history. Yeah. The bass yeah. player from the Clash smashing the bass. Jimi Hendrix burning the the uh, pop festival strat. There's posters of it. It's, that's different. Yeah. That's different. No, I, I'm not saying it's. I, I'm like the most. To me, it's the most rock and roll right. like. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Anyways, that to me represents what rock and roll is. 100. percent Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. I. All right. Can we give an honorable mention to Kurt Cobain? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he smashed a lot of guitars as well, and probably influenced by Hendrix, who also died of age 27, as he did. They're both from uh, Seattle. They were both left-handed guitar players, but he was he was probably influenced by Hendrix and by Pete Townsend. Um, but he used to use cheap guitars, strats built in Mexico or Japan, and he'd smash those mm-hmm. instead of American-made strats. Um, yeah. But yeah, he he did he did the damage too. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Someone once asked me, "Why do you think artists smash their guitars?" And so why I, do you why do you think artists smash their guitars? Well, I my answer was because they have an an inner angst, and I, I, guitars are often named by a woman, you know, like Lucille or, Uh, you know, and that they may be taking their aggression out on the, on the guitar that they may have over women, women issues, you know, let me just smash this mofo, you know, get my (laughs) angst out about that bitch, you know, oops, sorry, sorry. You're all right. (laughs) It's too cool. Pete Townsend must have had a lot of girlfriends then. <laughs> or just a lot of angst. Well, we yeah. know we historically know. the one uh, the Paul Simonon bass he was just so fed up with the the monitors and the sound was so bad, and so he felt like he the show was crap, so he just destroyed it. You know, just just sort of like this show is done. Mm. Wild. Well, um, Jimmy did Jimmy did it for show, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say yeah. So. Uh, well, that was a fun time. Um, I'm very curious. Uh, please send me your DMs and stuff uh, uh, based on what we just talked about. I'd love to hear if, if anybody has any ones that we haven't mentioned or anything like that. But let's get on to talking about this beautiful book in front of, well, probably all of us right now. Does everybody have their book? I do. Jared? Check. Lisa? <laughs> I mean, Check. you, you kind of know it by heart. <laughs> yeah. So uh, what does this thing clock in at? This is about a 10, 12 pound book. Actually, my first book, 108 Rockstar Guitars, was nine pounds. It okay. is nine pounds. This one's about just under six pounds. Six pounds. It feels so, like a 12 pound book, though. Yeah. It's still pretty heavy. Yeah. Yeah. This, and, you know, heavy is a good word for it because this book has a lot of metal guitar players in it. It does. Um, yeah. Versus my first. I got all the Iron Maiden guys, all of Metallica are in here. Um, yeah. You know, 388 was, pages worth of awesomeness yeah it's uh it's definitely a substantial book and i'm 
I was so pleased that Peter Frampton uh, agreed to write the foreword for it because really cool. his guitar is has the most immortal story. Yeah, you know, having been lost for thirty two years, thought yeah. to have been lost in a plane crash wreckage, and thirty two years later to get it back and be reunited is such an amazing story. He called named the guitar Phoenix after that because yeah. it ultimately rose from the ashes. Uh, and he, it still has the burn marks on it and, and the, the diamond inlay and the headstock It's missing two big pieces of the mother of pearl. And he just left it that way. You know, he had it restored and strings replaced and things like that, but it still carries the wreckage wounds, um, and holds the story of what happened to it. And it was reunited with him because obviously the guitar still had a mission Yeah, with for Peter. Sure. A heck of one too. Mm. Um, so let's see what I, I want to go deep back, but I want to stay up front on this at the same time. Let me just ask you, 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 so you write the first book and you're like, well, okay, I did that. What prompted you to embark on this one, the immortal axes? Momentum. When you have access and you've been given access to these amazing instruments, why stop? You know, I, that the first book, they always say books are a calling card for other things. You don't really don't make money making coffee table books. It's, it's a labor of love and it's a big investment, (laughs) a big investment on my part. Yeah. Let's see if, you know, it would be nice if this is hit number one on Amazon. Um, it should sell out. Uh, the, the publisher printed 10,000 copies of this book. So Mm. it's going to be interesting to get the first quarter numbers. Outstanding. Um, and so, you know, it's like even now people ask me, well, what's your next book? Like as soon as this one comes out, right. everyone's ready for that. I have a lot of people writing me. I can't wait for your next book. And I'm like, okay, I, can I, I need some sleep first before yeah. I keep, because the production that it, it, it put into a book like this is very substantial. You have to travel a lot to the artists all over the world. My last two shoots for this book was Paul McCartney finally said yes at the end of the of my production schedule. Mm-hmm. And so I flew to London uh, a second time in 2020 during this crazy world we're living in with wow. COVID. And wow. so I was, I was able to go over there and he allowed me into his studio and I worked with his longtime guitar tech and, ma- and manager. And um, we, we photographed his 1963 Hofner bass that we all know and love. And then I, I was in touch with um, Mr. Jim Ursay's camp because he owns a lot of significant guitars, the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. And he was able to purchase the David Gilmore Black Strat that, of course, David used on every single Pink Floyd album and um, sold at auction. And he also had the George Harrison Gibson SG that he used on the Revolver album and that John Lennon actually used on the White Album as well. So after I shot the um, the Hoffner, I got a hold of them and said, "Listen, guys, I really need to get to that George Harrison SG." And they let me because they they Jim Ursay has all of his collection at the Colt Stadium that was on lockdown. So only the the players were in there, um, you know, practicing, and then they would have if they had games. I guess it was there was no no audience. So they went in there and they got the one guitar out for me and they brought it to a studio in Indianapolis and I got to photograph it. So those are the last two photo sessions Mm. for this book. And I had photographed John Lennon's J160 e guitar that he used for both the bed ins with Yoko 
um, a few years back, probably five years ago. Because uh, back in the day when I worked for Eastman Kodak Company, working in Eastman, working in um, New York City, Bob Gruen was one of my clients. I was his Kodak rep. Uh-huh. And he had <laughs> a young girl working for him, making prints for him and doing admin work for him. And because of John's relationship with Yoko over the years, because, of course, you know, he was John and Yoko's personal photographer for many years. Um, she, This girl ended up becoming Yoko Ono's right hand person over the years and so i was able to photograph john's guitar because of that relationship ultimately wow. because of bob grew and you know so um i'm so fortunate to be, have been able to have access and to have the beatles in this book all oh, three of them that's remarkable and that sg also uh was used by pete ham from uh, badfinger you on, got it on their mm-hmm. hits, which is incredible i mean that yeah just uh, just to be able to touch something like that would be <laughs> spine tingling yeah it's amazing i look through this book and i'm just i'm wowed myself i go wow yeah. wow i flip yeah. the page wow that's actually my photograph <laughs> wow how did i get to that you know bb king's the last two guitars that he used um he was always using the the lucille with diamonds that was this really special guitar that that gibson made for him and it has two diamonds in the headstock the eye in the gibson and the eye in lucille are mm-hmm. like a one carat diamond in each one of those <laughs> um and uh his daughter patty lives in las vegas and my girlfriend was bb's neighbor and she used to take bb a cherry pie every now and then and patty <laughs> would open the door and she was always over with, with her dad taking care of him and uh so eventually she introduced me to him and and then when right after he passed away, she brought his guitars over and I, I photographed them. So oh, wow. it was the Lucille with diamonds and then the, his number his number three. The case says number three, but it was his number one at the time that he was playing his Lucille. I feel like if you went over to B.B. King's house and rang the doorbell, it would just do one thing. The one thing like that, like, you know, he does. <laughs> <laughs> <We> just, <laughs> just that hold that great. note hold yeah. it hold it lower <laughs> you can but i mean there's a guy like how many guitar players did he influence including joe perry who has a lucille guitar except he wanted it named after his own wife billy yeah and so that, the trust bar cover has too. billy on there yeah instead yeah. of lucille and wild. she's gorgeous, airbrushed on the front and the back of that guitar. That's love right mm. there. Mm-hmm. Hey, so Tony and Jared, you've gone through this book, and I'm wondering um, oh, yeah. if, if if you want to, if you guys each pick, like, let's start, like, pick one guitar that you like, you go, oh, this guitar. Mm. Okay. It, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Well, you know, here, so there's a number of them. I mean, yeah, the Frampton one, the Frampton section is, yeah, that's, that's probably my favorite. Um, but the one that made me do some research on is the Tom Petty, uh, alleged mm. flying V. Yeah. Because I don't think it's a real flying V. <laughs> there's Why? too many, there's too many things wrong with it. Uh, the headstock is wrong. The body shape is wrong. The pick guard is wrong. The, uh, the Jack has a, like a 50 style Jack plate. Um, I know that it was, it was, uh, so-called authenticated as an early seventies Gibson, but well, there was me, a lot of lawsuit stuff happening then. 
Well, and that's right? th- that's kind of why I I I suspect that uh, that it was either a a homemade one uh, or a Japanese one that was um, you know. Uh, somehow modified whatever because it's there's there's a lot of things wrong with it that leads me to believe that it's not a true gibson and um but you know hey i've been wrong before but there's there's you know i'll let people judge for themselves you you do know quite a bit about guitar so like well did you you look at the james hetfield one in the book oh that says f it that's (laughs) yeah because that that looks real that's a greco let's let's just compare so yeah. if you guys want to have a look tom petty is on page 161 yeah i've got that one. and hetfield's on page 207 Two. so bingo um yeah so if you look at the pit guard i see what you're saying like the hetfield one it's it's curvy but see the hetfield one is not authentic yeah the hetfield yeah. one was a japanese knockoff yeah, yeah. greco yeah, probably a Greco. Well, even on the on the Petty one, the the neck pickup is in the wrong spot. Oh, um, the, the bolt on the bolt thing on the back is a dead giveaway. Yeah, on that one. But I think that the the Petty one was actually a set neck guitar. So there, it's just kind of weird. I I mean, I I I guess I kind of took a deep dive after looking at that. I said it's it just doesn't look right. And then I pulled up a bunch of other photos that were on the internet and uh and sure enough it just doesn't look well, right yeah but and isn't it's isn't, a cool guitar nonetheless it's a super cool guitar but it aren't the uh the actual knobs are and the switch they're, they're wrong mm-hmm. yeah 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 because they, they were either they were either three in line or, or a cluster of three but, but it was uh, you know his it, that's definitely the guitar he used on uh, in the photo session yeah yeah it was it was not one that he used on an album yeah, it was the, owned by the, yeah. the tour manager uh, Mark Stimson, and mm, so Tom couldn't afford a V at the time, and so it was like, "Hey, let me use that for the photo shoot." Yep. So they put it in the photo shoot, and Tom loved it so much they ended up using using it the likeness of it for the logo, yeah. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers logo. So that's what gives it provenance, and the fact that it is in their band photo. Oh yeah, no, I, I, there's um, no doubt it's the same guitar. Yeah. I just doubt, I don't think that it's a real Gibson. But, uh, and yeah. that's actually one of the reasons I really like it is that I won't tell it's, it's odd. You know, there there are oddities about it, which I think you, you know, Lisa. That's one of the. Th- I think the great things about when you go through this book, there are loads and loads of guitar books. And we talked about this, actually, we, we prefaced this episode a few, a few episodes back. And one of the reasons that we were really, really excited to, to get this is that um, you were focusing on a lot of things that weren't um, perfect and weren't necessarily exactly what you typically see a lot of guitar books tend to be like mm. this is the get this is this model guitar and it's like okay well thanks but <laughs> this is all the this is the stuff that has personal meaning to each of these each of the players that you focused mm-hmm. on and that's i think that's what, what we really love about all this stuff at least i do yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like at the time they were whatever, how old they were, young, and they were just happy to get their hands on any guitar, yeah. you know, and so oh, it really does show the stories and the where they came from, and that's what's so cool about the, the Hetfield and the 
um, Kirk Hammett, you know, with the Kill 'Em All Flying Vs. That's yep. what they used on yeah. that album yeah. way back then. And, you know, how they personalized them with James uh, putting painting the skull and crossbones on the headstock and the glue that they used to fix the horrible break that <laughs> headstock yeah, had. And then it brutal. aged all yellow and crusty yeah. and, you know, that he writes F it on there and then puts the flipping the bird on the back with a danger <laughs> sticker. I mean, it's, it shows their personalities yeah, coming out without totally. them. It personifies them without them being in the photographs themselves. Well, they yeah. were, it, 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 it also shows, and I think a lot of these do show that these players cared about the moment that they were in. Not, mm-hmm. they weren't care. It wasn't a focus on posterity. It wasn't a focus on anything else. It was, it was what music pulls out of people, which is true emotion and appreciating the moment. Jared, how about you? Do it. Was there one that you, so there's, there's, there's two that caught my eye. Um, so um, someone I work with, he is a guitar um, junkie. He's a vintage guitar junkie. He's, um, and he has a uh, 66 Pelham Blue Trinity mm. Lopez, mm. original with the chrome hardware and everything. And he brought it in and I, I checked it out and it was... It's an amazing guitar. Um, but the one that I would say that I wish I could just play and have fun with would be uh, Peter Frampton's uh, SG with the ebony tailpiece with their, mm. in their, the, um, it looks like they modified that. So there's no tremolo system on it. Yeah. And mm. I, I apologize. I don't remember what page that's on. I'm, I'm looking 16. for it. So it's way Follow along everybody. It's uh, right at the, at the front of the book, page 16. It is, yeah, it's, it's on the organ uh, mm-hmm. seat. On his Hammond B. Yeah. So that, they, those didn't come out till like 62, but I'm not going to argue what year it is. It doesn't matter. But um, and I, don't, <laughs> I don't see the screw holes for the sideways trim. But anyway, it looks like they, they took the trim apart. They took the, the, the spring out. And they just drilled holes for each uh, string to be seated. Because if you take that little block and you slide it down towards the bottom of the guitar, you'll see that there's two screws there that that hold that maestro. That's a maestro spring base, and it holds it in. So when you put the block over it, it, so he probably had to take that block off every time he changed the uh, strings on that guitar. But Mm -hmm. I love the feel of those necks. I love the way that looks without the trim on it. It just looks really clean and and uh, to me that's uh, in the picture you took. It was just absolutely brilliant on that organ seat too. It was just amazing because that that organ has toured with him throughout yeah. his whole career, and with humble pie, so it just made sense. And it's such a great combination. I wasn't familiar with that tailpiece on there the wood block with the mother of pearl and apparently that came standard on that guitar at that time yes it did it it, uh um people know the era of 62 63 maybe the serial number looks wonky or something but it doesn't matter that's right well i mean you know i'm at the i'm at the mercy of who i'm working with when i you know and so i got that year from his actually peter verified everything though that i wrote 
Close so enough. he had the opportunity to change that from a 61 to a 62 and he didn't. So yeah. Oh, well, I don't uh, know. but you know what? They forget too. Matter. They forget yeah. what year or whatever it is too. Yeah. Hey, whatever it is. I, I love that guitar. That <laughs> it's a I, would beauty. Probably, I would, I would choose that one it is, I, I don't know if anybody else would, but that's just me. I would. I would. I know you would not. <laughs> you would find a gold and black one. Well, not that. exactly. But uh, I, uh, somebody asked me. Ask me. Tony asked me. Todd, Which did you did you, you have a favorite? Billy Duffy. <laughs> I so Lisa Billy Duffy is one of my mm. absolute biggest influences. Guitar Hero, The Cult was a huge band for me and. So when I got to page uh, 343, for those who are following along, um, I see the original cult, uh, White Falcon, and yeah. that one is really, really special to me. Um, and one of the things that I found interesting is I remember sitting in a friend of mine's apartment in Long Beach, California, uh, when I was, I don't know, maybe 19, something like that, 18 or 19, and... Um, his, and we went by his brother's room, and I said, oh, 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 because I saw there was a white falcon there. And I never, I mean, I had no money. I had a piece of garbage guitar, and <laughs> I was just, you know, I, I, I saw my, my idol's guitar. And I went and picked it up, and I looked on the back, and there was this big, like, vinyl Mm-hmm. circle snappy thing on the back and then i was so preoccupied with that and i was like what the heck is this and it, and i didn't have exposure to all kinds of amazing guitars i didn't know anything really at that stage i was i was just playing you know poorly and <laughs> and i was so focused on that that i didn't even get to play because he said hey my brother's coming we got to put that away <laughs> But I did, I did hold it, and and it that that has always bugged me. I was like, why was that? I've never, you know. So here it is that you know you you did, did a great picture of the back. And Tony, what, tell us, can you tell us the the story of the on these back snaps? Well, that that was just a a back pad. A lot of Gretches had pads on the backside, and all it was really there for was you know a little bit of comfort, I guess, more than anything. Huh, interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, uh, go ahead. I was told that it was to protect the back of the guitar, the patina from the belt buckle scratches. Yeah, it, it, it does that too. And in some cases, probably on this one, if you lift that cover off, there's like a little hatch uh, for the electronics. It, it, that, well, that's what I thought it, mu- it must have been. And I was like, yeah. is this huge thing? Does, is this, I, I thought there was going to be a hole the size of the pad in the back. And I'm like, that's dumb. Why would they do that? Well, yeah, they're, they're actually the hatch is pretty good size. Cause in order to, you know, get to the, all of the electronics and yeah. things, so they didn't have to load them, you know, through the F holes or the, uh, uh, the pickups, uh, pickup routes. Yeah. Well, anyways, that, that guitar in particular, would you mind telling, uh, uh any kind of, uh, history or story that you recall about shooting with Billy? Well, I was at, uh, I was invited to go to, I think it was Mate's, um, the storage, play, uh, the, the uh, rehearsal studio mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. Um, Billy had agreed to let me photograph the guitar. And I actually didn't know who was coming with the guitar, but 
I showed up at Mates and uh, Bob, the owner there, he's very gracious. He's like, anytime you need a place to do a photo session, just call this place home, you know? So I'm like, all right. So I'm in there setting up and then in walks Billy with his flip flops on and his little puppy, Winter, his dog, Winter. Mm-hmm. And so it was just so cool that Billy personally showed up super cash and uh, we did the photo session and I love that wonky tremolo on there and you can just see how old that guitar is oh, and how much he's used on that it. thing is ridiculous I mean the the you know the Gretsch uh, tailpiece on there it's all like you know it's just got a great character to it and at the end of the photo session he had his dog was wandering around and the dog just walked into my set. And there he was. So I took the snap. <laughs> There's the winter looking on, you know, with this classic guitar. And so I had uh, my first book, 108 Rockstar Guitars, with me. And I would give to the artists at the end of the photo session. And I signed it to him. And I said, the fire in your guitar keeps me alive. Yeah. Ooh. From Saint- She Sells Sanctuary. Now is that is yeah. that is that dog photo? That's the actual size of the dog next to the guitar. Um, actually, or, the perspective probably makes the dog look a little bigger than it was. was the dog, that, that's a big <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dog I was shooting from above, oh, looking okay. down on there. Um, the dog was a puppy, but it was a decent sized dog. That that dog's probably a sixty five pound dog. Put it hmm. that way. I have boxers. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, yeah, yeah. Maybe not, maybe not too far off. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the other ones that that I th- found particularly interesting. I, I, yeah, okay, this is gonna get me into more trouble. I'm not like a big Dave Grohl nut. I'm not a big Nirvana nut, but I really do appreciate his presence in the rock and roll like world. Um, well, yeah, he hangs out with all the everybody, the, the big everybody. No, I mean, everybody. He's diners. like the rock and roll ambassador of rock and roll. He's like the hottest artist of all time right yeah. now, at the moment of the moment. Yeah, but yeah. I, he really is. I really, you know, when I turned to page two seventy in your books, everybody. Um, this <laughs> I feel is like I'm in church. This is the day. <laughs> Turn the page uh, two seventy <laughs> in your how many immortal there were in axes. It's actually two sixty six in my book. Do I have a different book? Well, he wants to talk about Dan Armstrong. So yeah, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the Dan Armstrong Lucite and Tony. Yeah. You know, you've got a matching set of these, uh, kind of. Um, well, you do. Well, that's well, impressive. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Kind of, it's they, uh, they, they're they're not they're not um, real ones. They might be imposters. <laughs> they could be. Yes, but, from, from the far east. But anyways, what but I, mine weigh just as much as this one does. It does, and I, I mean, look, I, I think anybody who has been exposed to guitar and played guitar, as soon as you see the Dan Armstrong loose eye guitar, it's just like, what? That's cool. It's yep. super cool. It's super weird. And it was very ahead of its time at the, you know, when, when this was built. But the thing that got me is that he, when you flipped it or, or the, the, the black flag tape on it. Yeah. I, I love punk rock. And, and I was like, man, okay, that's really cool. <laughs> and, you know, and t- the, the idea that on, you know, highly, highly collectible guitars only made a handful um, that there's, you know, someone's like, hey, let's put black flag sticker 
on it. And it's not even a sticker. It's tape to look like a sticker. Yeah. Uh, I appreciated that. I thought that was pretty punk rock. So I agree. And he's got this, the suicide, uh, the girl, the suicide girl band yeah. on their sticker too. Yeah. Um, suicide girl sticker. Yeah. What was, that's, what's cool about these artists is that they, they look at them as tools. And even though it's so such a collectible guitar, they're still like, I'm putting a sticker on here, dude. This yeah. is what, you know, my guitar, I'm doing it. And he's not thinking about the value of the guitar or how it may indeed, indeed. in the moment, being in the thing, being in the present. Mm -hmm. um, I have one more question for you. Uh, of all of these, do you recall one that was either particularly difficult or that, that you maybe you were struggling to capture the essence of the guitar with? Well, the most difficult guitar to capture in this book, believe it or not, was Joan Jett. Um, oh. As a woman, I have been photographing guitars for 26 years now, and I've single-handedly, as a woman, probably photographed more significant guitars in the world. I'm going to throw that out there because, I, don't, I mean, I know a lot of guitar magazines photograph guitars, and they hire different photographers to do each one. I mean, I've single-handedly yeah. photographed over 600 significant guitars. Yes. Um, and Joan Jett, so as a woman, you know, I really wanted to honor women in rock. Yeah. And there's not that many in, no. in the sea of men that get the credit. And so Joan has always been one of the number one people that I wanted to photograph and I could not get access to her. She she apparently doesn't like to have photographers around. Yeah. And I can understand that. A lot of bands don't. You know, they want to have some photographer hanging around. Yeah. Um, and well, I think and she's that been they doing don't... it her entire life. So, yeah, know. over it, you know. Yeah. So, I think that the message was never getting across. You don't need to be there. I just need your guitar. Yeah. I don't think somehow they weren't reading my full request. Uh, anyway, it, it, when I was nearing the end of uh, production for this book, I thought, I got to try one more time. It's so important to me to have Joan, especially because I have Lita Ford, who I admire, and she's such an, the queen of metal. You know, She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I have Lita. I really, it's so important to have Joan. And of course, I had Ricky Bird as well, who's a Blackheart. You know, he was Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Ricky Bird wrote yeah. the riffs. I mean, and so it was so important to me to get Joan. So I, one more time i went out to them and said listen all you need to do is say yes i will arrange everything else through the rock and roll hall of fame because uh -huh. she had this epiphone there and i'd been there shooting other guitars so i researched it and found out that this guitar was there and they said oh that's fine if you want to do it at the rock hall that's cool yeah and it was easy no after so many nose. years <laughs> of getting no 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 <laughs> Um, it was such an easy, um, a yes for them when it, when it was presented to them that way. Yeah. So she was, she was the one of the hardest to get. And I was so grateful to finally, That's to awesome. finally get her. You yeah. know, talking about, um, the women in rock, one of the things that I really appreciate that you did, um, was the after word. Is that what it's called? Um, ah, from yes, Susie easy. Quattro. Like I, when I was a kid, Susie Quattro was like just like, so cool. And <laughs> yeah, leather Tuscadero. I actually have the Susie Quattro Susie Quattro album, which I think personally is one of my favorite album covers of all time. I know, super hot and sexy with that leather suit. And the guy and they, drinking they, the beer, just like I mean, it's fantastic. It's so cool. Yeah, 
I guess they wanted her to wear something else. And she, she was like, listen, I'll do it. But I'm wearing a leather jumpsuit. Yeah. Because she said, that's just who I am. She, she loved Elvis. And she was, she wanted to be like Elvis. Yeah. And so the Elvis wore leather, the black leather. And so she did it. And that was the best thing that she could have ever done. Cause she looked super hot and yeah. sexy in that outfit and made herself and stand tough. out. And she and, looked tough. That was other things yeah. like, um, you know, both her and Joan kind of coming up in the same era right there. And I just personally appreciated when I got to the end of the book, I was like, that's cool because it is so dominated by men's get you know male guitars and everything and this is this was a person who yeah you know if you the history uh, doesn't allow for a lot of this kind of grandeur and exposure from the the from female guitarists or or just females in general um especially back then and so the fact that she was also on a pioneer probably doesn't get as much mm-hmm. credit as Joan um, and, and the runaways and everything, but you know, doing her thing. And I, I re- I just really appreciated that. Cause like, that's cool right there. That means a lot to me. I'm really glad. And I, I'm sure that'll mean a lot to Susie um, because to have a woman's voice in this book, I think is especially important right now, especially as women are on the rise in the, in being respected in the yeah. world of rock. And, um, that that Susie was the the first one to break out. She really was the yeah, first yeah. single solo artist to break out. And her sister Patty Quattro was in the Pleasure Seekers. They were the first band to get signed an album, an all girl band that got signed yeah. for wow. record. Um, so and then Joan Jett followed Susie around. She was Susie was Joan's idol. She was. Yeah. At all of her shows that she couldn't ever, a lot of people mistook one for the other back in those days when Joan broke out, they thought they, they kind of dressed the same. Yeah. They looked the same. Well, anybody that saw yeah. her on, uh, on, uh, happy days, you know, <laughs> that helped. So, uh-huh. so I don't, I don't want to move on without, uh, mentioning the Wilson sisters. The heart is probably mm. my all time favorite female fronted band. In the world, yeah. I am, and I'm, I'm in love with those those ladies. If Me I met too. them, I would gush. I mean, I <laughs> even today. So I mean, yeah. it, seriously, when I was a kid, when they had hits that came out in the '80s and '90s, and and uh, yeah, so I, I, I agree. Wanted mention, yeah. I wanted to mention the the sisters before we moved. Yeah, on. well, my I, first the first record I LP I ever bought was Kiss, uh, Hotter Than Hell. And the mm-hmm. second album I bought was Heart, Dog, and Butterfly. Uh, and oh, yeah. It's a good album. I, I love um, – I was able to capture – her guitars are in my first book, but again in the second book because she has mm-hmm. just so many cool, amazing stories. And one of them is I, I did capture her Martin that she plays Dog and Butterfly on, and it has a dog a butterfly guitar strap on it. Huh. Pretty nice. Um, she's playing tomorrow night with Sticks here in Las Vegas. No kidding. Oh, wow. Well, yep. um, I I just want to wrap up the the that last conversation that we were having. We're gonna we're gonna exit and get on to some a quick little bit and let you get on with your evening. I know you've got uh, some important things going on. Well, I'm having dinner with Lon Friend tonight, who wrote the Cosmic Tale at the very beginning of the story of the book here. Oh, um, I don't know if you noticed that a Cosmic Guitar Tale, and it was written by Lon Friend, who was the editor of Rip Magazine for many years. And uh, Lon and I have worked together with a lot of photo sessions for this book, and he's an amazing human being. Fantastic. So. 
Too cool. Well, we're going to speed through this last bit and then let you go, okay? Sure. All right. All right, Jared, We do your thing here. Well, let's go on to Jaredville to play a little game of Would You Rather. So this Would You Rather is from our old buddy Don Kloss. Your band has finally made it. You are opening for 10 dates of a major band's U.S. tour. You get a nice dressing room catered with the same food the headliners get. You are, however, allowed one additional menu item. I like this, would you rather? (laughs) Do you, as a band leader, choose, because of course the band leader chooses the extra item, vegetable thins... (laughs) <laughs> Tomato and basil wheat thins or chicken and a biscuit. Chicken and biscuit, those are crackers, everybody. Yeah, the wheat thin brand yummy. Yeah, snack. It's, it's all the weird, yeah, that's those are throwback crackers too. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> one. We haven't gotten a food one before. Uh all mm. right. Well, um so okay, we'll we'll start off with uh Tony and Jared. And then we'll check with Lisa, and then we'll let her get get on her way. I'm choosing only green M&Ms because green M&Ms are the sexiest of all (laughs) M&Ms. I agree, but you have to choose a cracker. Okay. I'll do the veggie chips. Veggie chips are vegetable thins. Vegetable Uh, thins, whatever they are. Yay, Tony. I like veggies. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Especially when they're coated in sour cream. Yes, and salami. All right, uh, Jared, about yourself. Of course, the tomato and basil wheat thins, and I'm going to eat the whole box by myself. Okay. Mm. All right, Lisa. I'm going also for the tomato and basil wheat thins. Really? And I I hope they're going to have a side of hummus because that'll go yes. well oh, together. Well, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. now what would the little kid you have chosen M&M's pants down well, no, no with the crackers the crackers <laughs> no I, I don't I, want I, any crackers oh well I'm taking the, the vegetable thins because when I was a kid and I was eating like those vegetable thins they, they don't taste anything like vegetables they are delicious no. yeah deep fried so delicious good hunks oh so salty am i missing out on something yes you are. when i see the word vegetable i run away yes i know yeah you especially when you're a little kid slowly yeah. but you do um i do like veggies anyhow all right tony we gotta say a whole bunch of thank yous but we're gonna do it in not a whole bunch of time so let's do it Okay, let me do my best. You're gonna do your best because it's gonna it's got to be better than the last one that I did. Uh, <laughs> can I mention that, boy? This show really sucks without me. It does. <laughs> hey, it, it's it's different without you. And it's over the real important you, part that I say every week. Yes, yes, I tried to work that in poorly as well. So yes. I'm glad you guys are both. We're all here together. So Tony, do this right. You know, Todd, at this point in the show, there's a special group of people that I like to thank, that we like to thank, all of us, collectively and individually. These are our executive producers. Now, an executive producer is a person that goes over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and provides a little monetary support to help make this podcast possible. Each level comes with a 
great bevy of thank you gifts, things like, oh, I don't know, T-shirts and pics and stickers. And uh, just go to the go to Patreon and check it out. There's all kinds of good stuff. It's awesome. As an executive producer, you get all the good stuff. That's right. But there's one thing more, Jared. You get to have your name read on the thing. And your name read on the thing. And that's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader and Pedals, Drew Lopez, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mazrahi, Gary Cooper, Jason Rausch, Mikey D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garten, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemalero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterly, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Lawrence Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, John Anglin, and Tom Brazen. <laughs> but wait, Todd, don't interrupt right, me. Hey, Tony, Tony. <laughs> All right, gosh, dang it. Come on. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. What do I have to do to get someone's I attention? I didn't have a cue card. <laughs> There's another group of executive producers. We call them our Grand Poobas. This ever-growing group of supporters really does make it possible. We do. They make it possible-er. Make it more possibly. (laughs) Our Grand Poobas get something very special. They get a fez to wear while listening to the podcast. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Igareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Who? Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Caden, Sam Jett, Tyler KC and the Sunshine Band Rhines. No. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Tyler. <laughs> Go ahead. That's the last time we'll hear that one. Go LSJ ahead. Music Company. John Williams. James Pennington. Adam Johnson. Steve Keys. Cody Foster. Science of Sound. Brian Robison. Jonathan Jerusik. Also known as 12th Hour Devices. Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S. 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 And most importantly, Rat King. Right also on. Also known as Caleb Mice and Joys. Yes, sir. New person who's just signed up. We're very happy to have him along. Uh, thank you, one and all, for helping us do this and for supporting us with a, so much morale. It really, it's great. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So we need to say a ginormous thank you to Lisa S. Johnson for joining us on our show. Uh, and then um, this has been super great. And I really appreciate that you're out there doing this. And I uh, am, am just really grateful uh, that uh, we got the opportunity to have you on the show, to get your book, and that it's available to all of our fans to be able to go through this as well. 
Well, I am so happy to chat with all you guys. It's uh, really been a fun time and you all know your stuff. And so it's always uh, a nice learning exchange uh, and uh, insightful to bounce back and forth on different things. I love all the things you brought up about the book and uh, it's really an honor to sit with you and and to share. And um, I really, really appreciate your appreciation for my work. Thank you. So Absolutely. thank you very much well, for having me on. Let's do it again on your next awesome er book. You got it. <laughs> okay. I'd love to. And now where can people go to get this and or to find you in any other kind of way that you mm-hmm. want them to? The book is easily found on amazon.com and just type in search immortal axes guitars that rock just immortal axes and it'll come right up that's where you're going to get the best price if anybody buys the book and they want a signed book all you have to do is find me on instagram at lsj rock photos and send me a direct message and i will mail you a signed custom signature plate it's got the cover of the book on it and there's a signature section so if any of you guys want me mm. want me to mail you one i'll yes, sign it to you and i'll send yes. it off well, i'll give you i'll send yes, you an email please. yes yes yeah, send me an email <laughs> yep. and i'll be sending each a custom signature ah, plate I and i will mail it to you and that's so you can awesome. use it in your book Thank yeah, you. so just uh lsj rock photos um that's my instagram twitter and my facebook all, all the right. same Awesome. All right. Uh, Tony, where can people find you? Well, you know, you just want to go over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the things that I have available for sale. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you want because I do mostly custom work, especially these days. A lot more custom work. Indeed. Um, Let me know what you need, what you want, what you're trying to do, and I will make it happen. Yep. 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 Jared? Find me on Jared... Pickup Winder Brandon on Instagram. What? Yeah, so I made it off the the old Brandon one though, so I might have to change it to a different. You couldn't email think of a uh, longer thing. one. No. <laughs> so what is it again? Because even the yeah, I just like it. Jared, Could you have like Jared, Jared Electrical Pickup Winder? Wait, what is it for real? What is it? Jared Pickup Winder Brandon. Pickup Winder. Brandon. Brandon uh, mm. Okay. Mm. Find me. My my face is on there. My stupid face is on the thing. So that's me. Twenty two letters. Woo. Yeah. Well, that's that's so, you win Scrabble with that one. Yeah, you, you gotta make them work. Uh, <laughs> I don't babysit that account, so still go through Todd's guitar. No, 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 no. You start babysitting. <laughs> you sit on that nest egg. All right. Well, thank you for doing that. And hopefully everybody can find you. Uh, you can shoot me an email, Todd at the guitar You can also DM me on Instagram at guitar And I, of course, will handle anything that you want to send to Jared. If you can't find whatever he just called his Instagram. And um, Todd, you're a lamb, buddy. You are a lamb. <laughs> uh, so, Susie, we're going to let you go. And uh, thank you so much again. Have uh, you a great night. That, Todd. What? He just called her Susie. He can call me Susie <laughs> any day. I'm looking at Susie Quacho right <laughs> She's my cosmic sister. She's my... That's, that's really funny. <laughs> I, don't even know. Know. Like, like, I love it. Susie, I'll see you I later. <laughs> you meant uh, no just Yeah, let me do that again. Uh, of course right. not. I know, I know. I love her. And she's a truly is a cosmic sister. So yeah. 
that's just fine. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for having me on and have a great night and uh, keep rocking. All righty, everybody. Have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe. Tony, you specialize in the crazy stuff. Because he's 6'8 and about 350, so. (laughs) What? Everybody exaggerates my height. Tony's back. All right, I'm going to leave and come back. What? Why? I don't see Jared. All right, I'm not clipping there. We're good. All right. All right, you bozos. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time